0: let's uncle poo together we're so sorry no uncle
1: no. Pooh doesn't work
0: we're so sorry if you no if doesn't you work pay. no there's got to be another song with the word uncle in there that that would work with
1: ladies and gentlemen it's time for the pie factory podcast When the whipper will whippers in the wind, the wind can whipper back. And this is the Pie Factory Podcast, episode number 51, I believe. Are we on 51? 51. Coming to you from the um, cool breezes of that prairie land known as Chicago. This is, um, let me see. This is um, Watermelon Shandy drinking Sean. Watermelon Shandy drinking Sean. And... To my charming and delightful is the... Drinking the
0: Jewel Osco Refreshy R-E-F-R-E-S-H-E, spring water. Find out what it means to me. Yes. Um, this is Jimmy G. And So how are you doing this? Uh... I found out an interesting fact today. A, a oh? couple of interesting facts about things that are not related to anything. Oh, okay. Like, did you know there are four cities in the United States that actually have a volcano within the city limits? I didn't know that. But that's not related to anything? No, it isn't. Why didn't you warn me? One is Portland, Oregon. One is Honolulu, Hawaii. One is
1: Bend, Oregon. And the most surprising, Jackson, Mississippi. Hm. You go to Oregon and you say Oregon, people are going to give you a dirty look. It's like going to San Francisco and saying Frisco. I haven't been to Oregon since 78, so
0: I'll pronounce it right next time I go, which probably be <laughs> never. Yeah. <laughs> But, oh, yeah, also, there's a volcano in downstate Illinois. People might want to, uh, you know, know that, too. So
1: And that's why I never, never go, go there. Yeah, well. Then again, you know, I went to Portland a go.
0: couple of years ago. And there are, there's a volcano in Portland. We need to talk about a game that has a
1: volcano. I think of, I know of one off the top of my head. I used to know of one. I just couldn't think of it. But, yeah. Yes. What are you going to do about that? Um, <clears throat> I got a feeling we're going to have a pretty short episode tonight, but... I don't know, hey. because I think that one
0: of the games we're going to be talking about tonight actually has is quite the mystery. Ooh, and uh,
1: mystery. Which means you don't have much to talk about, though, you know? No, but we can unravel the mystery. Ooh. So do you have any uh, any news that's share-worthy? Uh, I thought I did. Oh, good. Oh,
0: yes, actually. Oh, do um, tell. All of the listeners to our podcast uh, know we've talked about in the past... How um, the Galloping Ghost arcade in Brookfield, Illinois has this uh, achievement book, and uh, you know you get certain prizes for for so many achievements. And if you can fill out all the achievements, Galloping Ghost will give you a, uh, a, a your own arcade game. And it's and it's there. some of the achievements are like something really easy, like you know score so however many points on a certain game, or something hard, like to perform a certain trick on a certain level, or visit. Uh, a certain arcade in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, the game grid. Somebody has finally, finally filled out the book and won an arcade game Wow, Galloping Ghost. Uh, It's interesting because I never thought anybody would ever achieve this. The story just came up today. I saw that. Did he actually get the Chivalry is Dead points too? He must have because I think you have to get every single achievement to get them. 10 hours ago from Doc Mac. Uh, huge congrats to Critch... Critch? Chris Plachy, P-L-A-C-H-Y. He is the first person to get 10,000 achievement points using our achievement book. He turned in his points to get an arcade cabinet for his house. We will post when the game is delivered. Congrats again. And they got a picture of him, of uh, of Chris, holding the uh, Galloping Ghost arcade achievement booklet. And uh, he's doing... Giving kind of a, th- a fist. And... Uh, Congratulations! I didn't think anybody would ever get that. Yeah, congratulations, uh, Critch. Critch, yes, because it involves a trip to Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, Salt Lake city is a beautiful, beautiful city. I've never and, been there. Uh, uh, I've been there t- once, once or twice on family vacations. I want to think twice—one out on the way to Oregon, <phone rings> and the other on the way to uh, to Yellowstone—and then. About, what was it, 2006, me and the wife were flying out to Las Vegas, and we had a one-hour layover in Salt Lake City. But thanks to the fact that our plane left O'Hare Airport, actually took off, we were on the plane for an hour before it could take off, we missed our connection at Salt Lake City. The moment our plane landed, our connection took off, and so we had to wait for the next airplane. And uh, yes, uh, thank you, O'Hare Airport. I don't blame Delta Airlines for that, because beyond their control... But uh, yeah, so, but the airport is beautiful because on the one side you got, uh, you got the Great Salt Lake and then on the other side, you got the mountains behind the city. That is just amazingly beautiful. So uh, get out to Salt Lake City. There's a, it's, it's absolutely
1: gorgeous there. So. Hey, did they announce what the game what the unveiling was yesterday that with a pointy cabinet? No, they did not. Well, I'm sure it's on the stream. I just haven't watched it. Yeah, I haven't watched the stream and um there was another stream I wish I would
0: have watched before I came in here. Uh before they posted the image I guessed I guessed iRobot. so and I know the cabinet does not look like an iRobot machine.
1: But it's definitely not Cubert's cubes. That's going to be one of my guesses. However, the way that the machine is shaped, that could be a ruse. Oh, you that's true. Know. Yeah.
0: Okay, the, could- the only criticism I have about the game unveilings that Galloping Ghost does is do they have any more wrapping paper? Cause they've been using the same wrapping paper and it's all uh, if you if you see it in person, you can see it's all like folded and crinkly and, and that, um, I don't get me wrong. I love it. I think that's a great idea. Oh God. Yeah. You know,
1: no, my criticism but, uh, is they have to do that at five o'clock on a weeknight. I mean, people are just getting out of work. I mean, and then yeah, what, that's, true. Then what but I was, you
0: know what though? That's when they start the feed. Sometimes it can be depending on what stuff Doc has to announce, it could be thirty or forty minutes before they actually well, yeah, unveil the game. but still,
1: though, you know, five. O'clock, I'm just, just home at that I time. Mean, and then I see a lot, I, and I hear them talk about. Oh, we got, we got uh, these people here. We got, we got, we got James here. We have him. We have him. Uh, for these people. It's like, don't they work? And if they don't, how can they afford to keep going to Galloping Ghost every week? And if they do, where can I sign up for one of those jobs? Yeah, right. But you
0: know, seriously. um, I'm curious as to what this is. I think that the the way that the wrapping paper is on this thing is uh, is a ruse. a ruse. Although I don't think uh, I I can't think of a game with a topper like that. That would look like anything like that.
1: But anyway, eh, enough speculations. We can rule out fish in a barrel because that would it wouldn't look like that unless, of course, it's a ruse. And we we have to rule out Cubert's cubes. I wonder if it might and, be Dark Presence, because we've never seen... Well, then again, I think Dark Presence is like double wide, and that thing is not double wide. I
0: don't remember. I remember seeing it at Midwest Gaming Classic last year.
1: Yeah, that thing's huge. That was a pretty big machine. Yeah.
0: It's not that laser disc game they were working on with uh, oh. with uh, Game Refuge, hmm. is it? I don't know, though. because It can't be, because the, uh, the cabinet that they had a uh, preliminary on display last year at Midwest Gaming Classic was not that shape.
1: Oh, that was just preland. Oh, speaking of Midwest Gaming Classic, we are going to be at Midwest Gaming Classic on April 8th and April 9th. Oh, thanks for telling me now. Well, sport, guess what? You're going. <laughs> at least I gave you like two and a half weeks notice. I don't know where we're going to be. All I know is it's going to be somewhere at the top of the stairs, which actually is kind of where we were last year when we uh, when we partnered up with uh, Underground Retrocade.
0: Yeah, I think I know exactly. I think we're going to be in the same general That's area. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, just down the hall a piece. Yeah. Um, you know what? Thinking about it from what I'm told, I think we're going to be near like the that little cafeteria area because there was like a wide staircase there. That's good to know. I think. It's going to be somewhere down that hall because there was another staircase there too. But I think it's going to be that area because I th- believe the people that were there last year had a Tron Legacy pinball machine set up right in that area hmm. it's amazing i can remember stuff like that but i can't remember to take out the garbage figure that out well you have a wife and three kids that's like four and other the chances of the
1: garbage going out
0: oh yeah you're right so um so yes we're gonna be there we're gonna
1: have goodies yes we're gonna have swag we're gonna have some swag 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 like swing except for swag is that something that Jimmy Stewart would get? We're going to have swag.
0: Yeah, Mr. Potter. We're yeah, going to have swag.
1: Right? And we also have some swag available online. Right now, we now have a Zazzle store. Give them some of that Razzle Zazzle. Razzle Zazzle at zazzle. That's Z-A-Z-Z-L-E dot com slash Pie Factory Podcast. Right now, we just have stickers, but hey. Hey. They're nice stickers. Stick I have one on my laptop, and it has been sticking on there. Um, it even is sticking on my laptop after I spilled a bottle of cherry Coke on it and shipped it away for repair. And you know, quite often
0: I've had people come up to me and say, oh, you're with that podcast. Yeah. Well, you can stick the pie factory and now you can stick the pie factory anywhere. Yes, you can. You could stick it on your laptop. You could stick it on a book. You could stick it on your car. You could stick it where the sun don't shine, which I understand is a little town on the outskirts of Omaha, Nebraska. That's right. You can stick it just about anywhere.
1: Mm hmm. So, Sazzle.com slash you, Pie Factory Podcast. Link in the show notes.
0: One place you don't want to stick it, though, is on an arcade game machine. No, Definitely no,
1: do, don't, not do, d- do not do that. Do not. not do that. You could stick it almost uh, well, anywhere. Except for Super Zaxxon or Professor Suckman. Stick it on the little coin slot so no one can actually pay for it. Is Professor
0: Pac Man really a game? And does anybody really have one? Oh, man. I'll,
1: I'm going to talk about that later. Oh, no. I am yeah. actually scared. Yes, you are. But yeah, we'll be at Midwest Gaming Classic. Uh, we're going to have some stuff that w- we'll, have, uh, we'll have a sample of those stickers there that uh, we'll and be happy to... Uh, we have you know. permission. We have oh, permission
0: yes. from one Mr. Bob Crescenzo to demonstrate, to show off his uh, games that are available for purchase in the Atari Age store. Well, they're not yet available at the time of this reporting. Well, I think they're also going to be available to purchase uh, other places as well, but... Uh, most of them are available only at the Atari Age store, and um, so we will have them. We will demonstrate Frenzy, Berserk, Scramble, Bentley Bears, Crystal Quest. Yes. Did uh, well, he? Yeah, Asteroids Deluxe. He did a Space Duel, Pac-Man Collection. Uh, what else am I missing? I'm missing others. I know that because
1: he was very prolific. How about uh, Super Circus Atari? Are we gonna do that one too? Is that him? Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. Oh him. well, we're gonna do that one too. Uh, the only thing is, I I'd have to. F- Paddles won't work on my Raspberry Pi with the adapter I have. Well, you know what? I'm going to have an Atari 7800 there. Okay. So assuming that, well, here and here's the challenge, though. Um, My Mateo's cart got fried. Mm -hmm. So I can't really play any ROMs off of it. So uh, Juan Mateo sent me out a replacement card. Hasn't arrived yet, though. So that should be here in time for Midwest Gaming Classic, at which point we will be able to show uh, Bentley Bear's Crystal Quest and hopefully uh, Super Circus Atari on an actual Atari 7800. And um, all the other games we talked about, we will also have those available on an Atari 7800. And if for some reason we cannot have those on an Atari 7800, we will be running them off of an emulator, like Raspberry Pi. Which we do have permission for as well, from the author
0: of the the games. Yes, we do. We are good to go. And uh, we will have just so much fun. Oh, yes. Um... Another thing is, we are going to also be handing out buttons. buttons! No, not buttons and Mindy from Animaniacs, but uh, we are going to be handing out uh, little buttons, little pins for uh, people that are on the Atari Age forums. And if you know the thread for the Midwest Gaming Classic buttons on Atari Age, you will have one with your name on it. Uh, if not, we will have some. Uh, we'll have some with just the Atari Age logo on there. Just uh, you know, giving them out. So. You know, come by for some more free
1: swag. We have stickers and buttons. Oh my! And there might be some other stuff we'll be giving away too. So, uh, uh, come see us over at Midwest Gaming Classic, Brookfield, Wisconsin, April eighth, April ninth of this year. That's a Saturday, and that is a Sunday. And uh, we're, rumor has it there might be a world record attempt on uh, Pac Man collection. Oh, when I don't do you know. tell. Well, I will tell, tell, tell. when I know. So oh ho!
0: Oh, I see yeah and we are going to be there both days count them yeah. both days and
1: there uh, might be a live recording of um, episode 8 of Atari 7800 homebrew podcast Might maybe, might might and, Remember uh, has it that these that that a version has already been pre-recorded just to be safe but
0: and who knows maybe uh I don't know we'll go out for pizza or something after uh, the gaming classics and, and people could join us
1: mm, Wisconsin
0: pizza yes well maybe ooh Maybe we'll make a special trip to the Mars Cheese Castle. Ooh, that is special. Yes. I've
1: never been special. there yet.
0: I've never been there. I see it all the time when I go into Wisconsin. I've read Yelp reviews. Let's just leave it at that.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> All I know is it's probably one of those places where it's just nothing but tourist stuff, and you can get yeah. the same exact stuff in any grocery store there for like a third of the price.
0: Kind of almost like what, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Fort Myers, Florida, but there's no. a place called The Shell Factory it's a it's a huge complex. They basically it, it, it's basically like the wall drug of Fort Myers, Florida Been to wall drug. Um, I've been to wall drug, but uh, they sell like seashells and stuff, but like stuff that you can get cheaper elsewhere for tourists, especially if you're like on the beach collecting shells. So that's kind of the impression I get of Marsh cheese castle, except you can eat cheese. And unless you're really weird, you can't eat shells.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, is that all the news that we have right now? I do believe so. So have you been up to any gaming stuff?
0: What have I been? I've been playing a lot of one of the games we're talking about tonight and some about the other one. And this was really, really kind of fun. I getting to know these games uh, a little bit more than I already have. But um, I haven't really been playing much.
1: Much else this week? Yeah, mean, think- neither have I. I've been pretty much sticking to the two the two games we're talking about tonight. I did play a little bit of combat. Well, actually, I played a lot of Combat Nineteen Ninety on the seventy eight hundred uh, because uh,
0: I heard a certain podcast is going to be
1: talking about that. Yeah, I think it's the Atari seventy eight hundred homebrew podcast. Why do I keep it, talking really? Could about you tell me more one? about that podcast? Who hosts that? Some fat guy in Chicago hosts it. Oh, yeah, that's all you need to know. Steve Dahl. But um what oh yeah, and and uh for the longest time I or not not really the longest time, but I just kind of got suddenly like in the past year or so got the urge. I I've wanted a heavy sixer telegames console. What with the silver color over the switches and everything? That was my
0: first Atari so, console. Yep, yep, an Atari 20- That was my first Atari console.
1: So I thought I bought one on eBay, but the picture—I didn't realize it. The picture was so dim. It turns out it's actually a light sixer. But you know what? That's no. okay. It's, it was—it's one, one of those deals where it was super, super cheap because this person claimed that he had no way to test it. Which uh-huh. it, it, the, the fact that it had no games with it—that's that's plausible. So it arrived, fired it up, didn't work. Uh oh. For well over a year, I've had this Atari 2600 power supply with no corresponding console because I did did not have an Atari 2600. I just had the 7800, and I never had any takers. I had it out at Midwest Gaming Classic. Nobody wanted it. I tried that one. Worked. Huh. I now have a wonderfully working Sears Video Arcade Light Sixer, and I also decided that I needed a backup Atari 7800. That I could, just in case the current one I have fries and I, I don't want to mm-hmm. have to wait for it. And also for events like video game classic, I don't have to disconnect one of them and have to do all that crap and throw it in the car. I just I just keep this one aside, ready to go. And so it arrived yesterday. And it, this was another one where the price was low because they couldn't test it. Turn it on. Works amazingly well. Per- nice. Works perfectly.
0: And uh, nice. it's
1: I think it's another one of those that plays everything because mm-hmm. it has it has no, it doesn't have the uh, expansion port, doesn't have a cutout for one either. And I put the Activision Decathlon in, which is one of those games that's not supposed to work, and it worked. Oh, wow. So, then I remembered something that I totally forgot about 10 or 11 years ago, which is that the cartridge slot in the 7800 is very, very, very not loose fitting at all, at all. And it's like, oh, that's right. Activision and the Magic Cartridges have a problem. So I know the very first thing I'm going to do with this console, probably tomorrow night, I'm going to cut the little plastic thing out from around the uh uh the cartridge slot and I'll put a video on, of that up on YouTube. Do you have an
0: original run 7800
1: no. or do you have a later later one? No, both of the the but now both of the 7800s I have are later ones. Okay. They're probably because among I'm- the last batch that rolled off the the belt.
0: Because I'm thinking about uh, about the one that I have. I actually have uh, one of the early models uh, when the, that uh, that Atari actually made when uh, Warner was in control, and um, I've never had trouble with the uh, the Magic or Activision cartridges fitting in. I've never had that problem. Hmm. So I'm wondering if it's just you know. And it, is yours theme. one of those
1: ones where it actually plays the games it's not supposed to play? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I you can probably play do. Robot Tank fine on it. Yeah, and you have the expansion port on it. Yes, I did. Yeah, I think yeah, and I think Keith, uh, one of our Patreon sponsors, I think his is like that too, where it play- He says it plays everything, and I think it has the expansion port. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's we, so many people lucked out with that. Yeah, I'm lucky that I worked at. What's it? Wait, was I working
0: at Toys R Us at the time? I don't think I was. Actually, mm. maybe was I?
1: Maybe it was. I don't remember. Maybe it was. But I got an
0: early one, so that's all that matters. So,
1: so yeah, it was a it was a pretty good uh, pretty good console week for me and. Uh, going to look into modifying this 7800 putting an av mod in it and this time i have a method of balancing the tia and pokey sounds so i don't have to deal with that so yay i'm happy
0: and one thing i wanted to add uh, mid- uh about midwest gaming classic uh Ooh, real quick tell. is i'm i'm well i'm looking for a, a colecovision super working colecovision super action controller if anybody's got one that they want to part with, uh, swing by the Pie Factory podcast booth, and you might want to post it on the Midwest Gaming Classic uh, Facebook page too. Oh, I never thought about that because I posted is. it on the um, Midwest Gaming Classic thread on Atari Age. So yeah, we'll go from
1: there. So I did play a lot of Puzzle Bobble again too, though I do have to say that. And I actually, I was uh,
0: playing, I was playing Puzzle Bobble too. Actually, I was. Uh, I like Puzzle Bobble or Bust a Move or whatever they call it, but I like the sequel so much better. I mean, the first game nice. is
1: really good. The sequel is. It was awesome. Puzzle Bobble 2, Actually, I did play that all the way through. I hit. I hit continue. I'm surprised at how long that game doesn't last. There aren't many levels to it.
0: Well, the the thing is that, like I said, when we were talking about it, the uh, the game like branches off. You can you know choose different different paths. So you could literally theoretically make it a different game each time you play it. But. Um, I, I do like Puzzle Bobble Two or Bust a Move Two or whatever the hell it's called, uh, better than the first one, and I really like
1: the first one a lot. So oh, I do too. I still love that music. I still love it. It's still going through my head, and it's a, it's an earworm. I love.
0: I love at the end of each level with the do- the dinosaurs, dragons, whatever they are, Bub and Bob say bubble er, dragons, God, bubble dragons. They go go like oh that, yeah so.
1: yeah yeah. I love
0: it.
1: <laughs> and speaking of uh,
0: Puzzle Bobble. you know what? And I didn't really say it too much in the last episode. Uh, about Puzzle Bobble, Bust a Move, whatever the hell you call it. That's the official name of the game now, by the way. We talked about, like, the music, but we didn't really talk about the sound effects in the game. The sound effects in the game are awesome, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, uh, when you uh, shoot a bubble and how the sound effect it makes when, you know, they all burst, it it sounds like, uh, kind of like glass breaking in a way, kind of in a a cutesy kind of way. And uh, how when the, the wall comes down, it makes a ding kind of sound. The sound effects in the game are really. We didn't. I don't think we really talked about
1: the sound effects. The sound effects are awesome in the game. Can you tell we really like the game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of Puzzle Bobble, we got some. Uh, we got a message. We, we got a comment from uh, Michael D'Angelo, longtime listener, who says, "I was playing along and realized that I was playing the wrong damn game. I was playing Bubble Bobble, not Puzzle Bobble. I was two games in and couldn't understand what you guys were talking about. My daughter <laughs> liked Bubble Bobble though." As for Jungle Hunt, I played the Jungle King version on my arcade machine, and was what I was used to in the arcades. Jungle Hunt for the Twenty Six Hundred was a great port, as were most of the Silver Label carts. Good, he's not one of these. oh, E.T.'s, the worst game ever, people. Um, <laughs> as we used to play this all the time as kids, I still have a hard time with the boulders. And uh, Michael D'Angelo's message there kind of made me think we there's a lot of time. There are a lot of instances, including tonight, technically. In which we covered a sequel before we talked about its predecessor. I'm pretty sure we talked about Ms. Pac Man before we talked about Pac Man. Yes. We we talked about Space Duel before we talked about asteroids. Although Space
0: Duel isn't, it isn't, it isn't a sequel. And and it's,
1: it's, that's, that's a kind of a. I didn't say sequel, I said predecessor. Oh, that's true. You did. Okay. And you Uh, cannot deny that that Asteroids Deluxe is a predecessor to Space Duel. We haven't talked about Galaxian yet. Nope. And we talked about
0: its unpronounceable sequel first. That was uh, that was the big one. Yeah. Uh, I want to think there was one other. You have your spreadsheet one... open? Um, That's what she said. Uh, yes, I do. Let's see here. Um, uh... Well, technically, we talked about Donkey Kong 3 before Donkey Kong Jr.
1: That, too. I was trying to think about that one.
0: Uh, uh, well, let's see. Uh, I think that might be it, actually. <laughs> uh, but the Pac-Man games, we talked, talked about uh, all out of order. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so there's no... Uh, there's no... Uh, there's Noah. Noah. Um, and all the here. animals. Did we talk about... Berserk before frenzy? I think we did. Uh, yes, we did. Okay. We've talked about do run run. We haven't talked about Mister Deuce Castle yet. Yep. We didn't talk about Mister Dew's Wild Ride either. No, we did not. And I think that's it. Yeah, that's really a lot though, when you think about it. Yeah, uh, but we have reasons for doing that. But uh, actually, uh, we're we we're going to correct something on. We're going to correct that. Uh, not for this episode, but next oh. episode. But we're we'll. We will reveal the games for the next episode at the end of this one, and oh. we will get there. I'm almost tempted to have a, uh, a Pac-Man uh, wrap-up episode at some point here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can't still got quite a few Pac-Man. We still games have to a lot about. to go. <laughs> oh the Super man, Super Pac-Man,
1: Baby Pac-Man. Actually, that might be it. Uh, Super... Exciting new Pac-Man. Exciting Plus. new Pac-Man Plus. Yes, yes,
0: yes. I want to talk about that. We maybe we should have talked about that one with Pac-Man because it's basically just a, a hack. But uh, and technically Piranha, technically Piranha. Well, because yeah, that's not. Well, that's a hack. But that's, I think, one of the more unique hacks.
1: Well, then we and also so have to talk about Ultra Pac-Man and Hangly Man while we're at it. I've heard of Hangly Man, but not Ultra Pac-Man. Ultra Pac-Man is a bootleg compilation. Well, oh, no, really? it's, it's part of a bootleg compilation, actually. And it's uh-huh. actually it is actually featured in Bob DiCrescenzo's Pac-Man collection for the 7800. Oh, no kidding. It's one of the options. Oh, well, we will have to do something about that. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, so, there we go. We also got a happy anniversary wish from a longtime friend of the show, Chris Federico. Thank you there, Chris. But I didn't see it. You know what? You know why? I don't know. I told him. Does he look, not love me said, anymore? I, I don't we know. had something. I don't know. I, th- I think he thinks you're afraid of him. Well, be fair. Isn't everyone? <laughs>
0: So thank you, Chris. Thank you for remembering our anniversary. Yeah, which now, is fi- April first. Yeah, and the uh uh we just had our fiftieth anniversary, uh fiftieth episode. And um, you know, uh, I think for number fifty you're supposed to give us yeah. like diamonds or something. It, it is
1: our fiftieth anniversary in podcast years.
0: Yes. And uh so April first, that's kind of that's kind of apropos, I I
1: think,
0: actually. So yes, you're we a fool have any- if you
1: listen for that many episodes. That's
0: true. Actually, um, we have. I think we have some more to talk about, but I'm wondering if this should go in addenda and errata. This should probably go into addenda. Well,
1: I was about to ask you if you do have addenda and errata, so why don't we?
0: Well, yes, uh, from the Atari Age forums, actually. Oh, do tell. No, this is from uh, someone uh, named Shoewalker, which which. Uh, I don't, don't recall him commenting on uh, on, on the show on Atari Age, but uh, thank you for listening, first hey, of all. Thank you, shoe walker And um, it says here, Love the most recent episode, fellas. I don't think we've been called fellas yet. Hmm. Yes, all the fellas are switching to fellas. So, uh, it really hits home since, A, you guys live in my neck of the woods, and B, I'm a Taito fanatic. I do think the proper pronounce, pronunciation of that is Taito. Just, yeah, it's a Japanese word, and it's a diphthong. Like ta i Toe, so tie-to. what'd you call me oh wait a minute so anyway about jungle hunt and king this is uh some uh he's, he's also got some stuff to add about pirate pete which i thought was fascinating oh yeah um so about jungle hunt king fanboy here i put up i put it up there with the likes of frogger donkey kong and other classics you couldn't go to an arcade without one of them being present i recall coming across a jungle king first pretty sure i didn't come across a jungle hunt till years later Back then, and even today, Jungle Hunt is by far rarer than Jungle King. I know many Jungle Hunts were converted to kings by collectors because, well, let's face it, Jungle Hunt's artwork, lack thereof, sucks compared to King's artwork. I agree with one of the guys who said the one negative was the gameplay doesn't offer really anything after repeated loops. I think we maybe both uh, mentioned something about that. but Mainly you, I I think. Because you're much more Jungle Hunt King Pylon Pete literate than I am. That's true, because I did turn the cheats on. Um, I have a buddy who is awesome at both of these games. He mentioned King Hunt's difficulty caps out on the fourth loop. So if you master the game by that loop, you could play ad infinitum until you get bored. Yeah, you know what? I think that was me that mentioned that because I was doing some research on that. And then it does that does, uh, the difficulty does uh, top out there. Um, now, he talks about Pirate Pete. Pirate Pete, this game is still, is still an enigma today. Pete reminds me what's he says Stern Cobra. I think he's meaning Super Cobra, is to Stern Scramble. I'm gonna double check, uh, see if that's a, a that's just a typo in his part. I, I, think I think it might. Be. It, I
1: think it might, might might have meant Stern Super Cobra. Super so, Cobra, right?
0: You know. uh, it's just a harder version of the predecessor. Although I find Pirate Pete to be a very buggy game. I'm not entirely sure if Pirate Pete wasn't a prototype. Hear me out on this. I've been arcade collecting since '89. My main air, my main area is Taito games of 81 to 84-ish. I have never seen one example, marquee, bezel, or panel in my collecting years. I've seen some rare stuff. Le- uh, living in Chicagoland and since Taito was based out of Elk Grove, you would think I would come across at least something from this game. This also holds true for my collecting buddies in the area. Never seen anything PP related. <laughs>
1: then he should have uh, listened to our Tinkle
0: Pit episode. Yes, and we're actually going to be having the bookend for the Tinkle Pit. Oh,
1: yes, 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 yes.
0: Uh, He continues, a couple of things to mention. Supposedly, there is one Pirate Pete machine in a collector's hands in the Northeast. I'm still in the process of getting a hold of him. A Pirate Pete original board set, not one with burned EPROMs, popped up on eBay in the the mid-2000s. I believe this is the same one that's in the hands of a UK collector. Other than that, nothing. I've seen some things on the net about Pirate Pete about the history of said game and a certain YouTube video that cited production numbers. I tend to believe a lot of this is based on conjecture more than anything, and not sure if you guys are aware, but we have a Taito developer who did Cram right here, re, re, uh, residing in the burbs. Uh, I'm assuming Cram is another title game. I've not heard of that one. I'll have to give that a whirl. And he uh, posted an actual promotional flyer for Pirate Pete. Really? Uh, in this thread on the on Atari Age, and um, yeah, um, it says Pirate Pete. For those of you who seek real treasure, um, it's funny, and I, I've, I've mentioned this before, I have an episode, episode an issue of a Replay Magazine, which was the industry standard, uh, the industry magazine from back in the 80s, and um, I'm still looking for it, I know I got it somewhere, I know I didn't toss it out, but in the magazine, there are all of these ads for video games, for video arcade games, and they're all about how this game is going to make you money, this game, I mean, Every trade magazine does that. I mean, this isn't anything yeah. different, but it's just weird seeing uh, the the one ad in there uh, I saw was for Cubert. Uh, the the one that sticks out to me, and it shows Qbert hopping down a pile of coins, <laughs> and uh, it's it's just amazing some of the some of the stuff in some of these industry magazines. If you could ever get a chance to uh, to look at some of these, uh, by by all means, check it out. the uh, They're they're really uh, they're really something to behold. I wonder if they're on the Internet Archive probably hmm, not I, I would think but you never know, you know you there's never stuff know. on there that you wouldn't think would be up there so yeah don't i know that anyway anyway so thank you thank you shoe walker Shoewalk- for uh for the kind message and the uh the tidbits about uh about pirate pete i think you might be on to something yeah never i've never heard of it until i got uh into emulation and i think actually the first place i saw it was uh looking on the uh the kalov and showing under the um what do they call it? It's not connections, but uh, it's not history, but uh, maybe it is connections. I don't know. But it's basically a list of sequels or games that are inspired by it. And uh, I do recall seeing Pirate Pete come up with the uh, Jungle Hunt Jungle King. So there you go. And uh, I do recall seeing it there. So wow, I really talk myself into like corners. You've noticed this? Anyway, Anyway. Oh, and by the way, uh, we do apologize. Uh, we did make speak for one- yourself. I'm not apologizing. Well, we did make one huge mistake in last week's episode, and that is we did not put in any clips of Young MC, and we do apologize for that. I, profusely.
1: I, no, I do not apologize to that. <laughs> I, I do not apologize. Just bust a for move. That. Yeah. In fact, I, oh. I offer a huge, huge, huge thank you to Hyde Saint Pierre for not inserting hey it now, that in there he that was in his contract that at
0: one point during his career with the podcast that he has to put in a clip of young mc somewhere it's in his contract he, it has to happen at are some you point. sure about
1: that you weren't there when i negotiated positive.
0: the original contract i am positive huh. so there's something in there about a clip from young mc and he has to
1: at some point put in a clip from the carpenters he do, he does have he does have a bizarre contract i gotta say
0: yeah, um his contract actually doesn't have that clause that many uh that some famous contracts do about removing the uh, the brown M&Ms, but his contract actually says that uh, he requests brown skittles. So take that for whatever it's worth. He's he can be He's a good guy, but he could be impossible to work with sometimes. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Yeah. So, and we we did actually have another uh, comment from S fifteen hundred. This is actually nothing about anything we've talked about. So <laughs> I'm gonna not talk about it. No, he was just saying that he made a trip to Galloping Ghost in Underground Retrocade. Oh really? Uh, last weekend, and um, he's from the Twin Cities, and he uh, had, yeah. said totally fun. Wow, does Galloping Ghost have a ton of obscure games? I wonder if that was the same Wacko Cabin that I played at the Amtrak station. Bitd, bit uh, back in the Ferg. But wow, is driving on the highways in the Chicago area no fun? Everyone is going warp th- for three. Tailgating is a common occurrence. All sorts of get out of my way going on. Driving from Underground retrograde to home, Twin Cities, whilst avoiding tolls was strange. Lots of stoplights and really congested shopping center areas. Well, S1500, welcome to Chicago.
1: So so I'm glad you had a good time at Galloping Ghost. Please try to the Jersey retrograde. sometime. I don't want to hear driven, anybody talk about congested highways until they've driven the Garden State Parkway or the New Jersey Turnpike.
0: I've driven in Times Square during rush hour once. I'm so. sorry? Yeah, me too. You see, I've, I I've driven in Manhattan
1: myself, and driving isn't so much the problem there, it's trying to find somewhere, anywhere to park. That's the big you know, problem.
0: You know, I have to agree with you. Uh, from my personal experience, driving in Manhattan really isn't that terrible it's driving pretty much anywhere else in new york city especially on the interstates that's the problem because you know manhattan empties out into all the interstates and it is kind of weird but i understand why they don't have it that there's no like interstate actually in manhattan they all kind of like end at manhattan but yeah but we all know how that goes so <laughs> and uh i'm i'm actually on a a road geek forum where we talk about this really? sort of stuff all the time shocking um, yes Shocking, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I posted a proposal of mine up there to extend Lake Shore, Dr- Lake Shore Drive south, uh, tunneling under Jackson Park to meet up with uh, the Indiana Toll Road. So, yeah, that was quite interesting. So, uh-huh. if you're interested in my uh, dalliances with road geekery, as they call it, so anyway, yeah, this week in Road Geekery yeah. has been brought to you by the letters. So and the numbers what? Back from there,
1: and um, more addenda and errata if we have it. I don't really have anything on my end because I got everything right. What about you? I think that's pretty much. Uh, that's pretty much all I get. Yay! So let's uh, end uh, this edition of Adenda and Errata. Brought to we you, you by. You closed uh, the door on it yeah. or put it
0: in the microwave or in the blender or anything mm. recently.
1: No, I, yeah, yeah, I know. I, th- I think we should actually just let it fly away. Well,
0: I was gonna zip it up and send it to someone in Nigeria through email.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Well, yeah. wait, Go ahead and. do I don't that.
1: know what kind of a sound effect you would use for that, though. Oh, hide! I will send you something. Uh, oh, no. So anyway, um, having said all that, uh, why don't we talk about? Why don't we have? Why don't we have a little chat about a couple of games? Huh. A little confab? Yeah, a little confab. a little confab uh, hey, there. caucus. A caucus. <laughs> We're going to caucus. As uh, this episode's moderator, I would like to choose the game. Please do. Well, kind of, sort of, in a way, and I'll explain. I'm choosing that we first talk about Uncle Pooh. Uncle Pooh? Uncle Pooh, that's me and you.
0: Me and you and Uncle Pooh. So, yes. You know what, Sean? Let's, uh, Uncle Pooh. let's Uncle Poo. Let's Uncle Poo, yes. So, yes, Let's Uncle Poo, released December of 1983 by Diatech. And um, in case you haven't heard that company before, neither have we. In this game, you play Uncle Poo. You're in a maze that keeps scrolling to the right. I think it's a mine of some sort. And basically, there are, th- there are three diamonds and a bunch of money bags in this maze. And you basically, to get to the next round, have to pick up all three diamonds. The game was a lot easier when I realized that was the object of the game. There's, like, little documentation of this game anywhere. The game has a four-way joystick, and you have two buttons, a fart button and a fast button. Or, as the guys at the Ten Pence Arcade podcast say, the two buttons are poop and dash. To fart, you have to face the opposite, uh, the opposite direction you want to aim. Then you press the fart button, just like you would do in real life. Oh, I've got a story about my daughter, <laughs> but that's not for families unless
1: it's your family. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's not for families other than mine. So, um, as I was saying, the, uh, the play field, it's a maze, scrolls to the right at a steady pace, unless you move Uncle Pooh all the way to the right, in which case the maze will speed up, which not a good thing in my research there appears to only be two mazes one is uh, it's kind of like a steady is kind of like a standard like squared off maze but the second maze it starts off the same but then there's like a bunch of angles that are that look harder to get around than they actually are and then it ends up the uh, the same way the mazes they continually scroll and it's a continuous loop kind of like a kind of like a mobius band in a way i guess so it's only one sided So it just keeps scrolling, and if you miss something, you can always come back around to pick it up. Uh, In this maze, there are little blocks that block your path. And to destroy them, there's two things you can do. One of which is uh, you can shoot them by farting on them. Or, and when you fart, and I can see why it's uh, probably a poo button, because it doesn't just, a fart is like, you know... This is going to be an interesting podcast. Um, A fart fart just like, is like right there, like an explosion. But this thing that you shoot out of your butt,
1: it like bounces around. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of your weapon in Mr. Do. Because it kind of bounces back to you. Ooh, Mr. Do and Uncle Pooh together. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you said that. That was nice. Thank you. So, So one way, as I was saying, you can... I got to say this. You can get rid of blocks by shooting the sh- s***.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh, I had to say that. I do want to argue that that is indeed farting, because those look like bubbles. And bubbles are they more do. associated with farting than they are with, say, like, solid waste. They do. And I don't disagree with you.
0: The game is called Uncle Pooh, though. So,
1: But the thing is... Hey, it's- either
0: way, it's
1: what you want it to be. Yeah, but it's Uncle Pooh. But keep in mind... This is a foreign game, at least foreign to the That's United true. States. It's either Italian or Japanese. No one knows for sure. Or
0: as George Carlin once said, uh, kids love farts. Farts are funny as hell. Farts are shit without the mess. So you know, you can do whatever you want with it. Let's, really? Uh, well, Mr. Hankey says so. So as I was saying, you can uh, shoot out these blocks with your farts, or there's another way you can get rid of them, the money bags. Every time you pick up a money bag, it gives you... First of all, it gives you five energy. We'll get to the uh, energy in just a moment here. And, um, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better. I'll get them to you and get to you the money bags now. The money bags, when you pick a money bag up, it will remove all the physical, the physical, physical, visible, visible, visible blocks on the screen, and they will also give you five energy. Now, you you, you use one energy uh, every time you fart. <laughs>
1: All right i uh, go boy. a little bit easier on your editing this time than you did with tinkle pit
0: yeah and <laughs> and the uh
1: apparently we're and 10 then you years have another old.
0: button which when i figured out uh when i found this out it made the game a lot easier to to play uh, you have a the the dash button or roller skates uh when you hold the roller skates button down it basically uses one unit of energy per second, and if you notice, a little, your Uncle Pooh will actually put on little green roller skates. So that's kind of cute. Oh, yeah. As I said uh, before, the object of the game is to pick up all three diamonds to advance to the next level, and all three of them are in corridors that have to go to the left with only one way in or out, and there's one in particular that kind of snakes. That's a pain in the mm, place where Pooh comes out of, and... Um, That always killed me until I realized the use of the uh, fast-slash-roller-skate-slash-dash-button, whatever it's called. Uh, Diamonds do not make the blocks disappear, if I'm recalling this correctly. You're recalling this correctly. And every third screen is a bonus round, where you have to basically fart on all the enemies to to shoot them, kind of like in the challenging stages, or charanging stages, in uh, Well, actually, challenging was Rally-X, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, the challenging stage in uh, the Galaxian sequel, and uh, it's kind of the same thing. And um, it's a little easier to uh, to remember how they're coming out, at least the first time around. Uh, the bottom of the screen will indicate the, the round, the number of Uncle Poos you have in reserve, and how much energy. You start each round with 30 energy. And I found this out, and this kind of frustrated me a little bit. start each round with 30 energy, but you cannot carry any leftover energy over to the next level. I kind of like did not like that. The game gets a lot harder, uh, almost impossible if you run out of energy. So, you know, use your dashing and your farting sparingly. That's the key to success at this game. Now, let's get into some enemies here. There's basically two different types of enemies. One is the water. There's a bar of water on the far left side of the maze. And if you touch that water... You lose a life, and it, as it's the, basically as,
1: a big tidal wave, really.
0: For the most part, yeah. It's uh and you can if you get trapped in a vertical passageway as the screen is is uh, scrolling, boom, 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 boom. You'll hit the water and you'll lose a life. And the other enemy is basically uh, some. uh They're just basically animals. The only ones I've seen so far are uh, I think a walrus, a cat, and a snake. And they are. Oh, so created- do you have to
1: watch out for it? Watch out for snakes. Well,
0: actually, yes, you do. You do have to watch out for it. Oh, and um, Vert Vic Viper and Sean Holly, you have to watch the movie EGA, but watch the Mystery Science Theater three thousand version. Yes. Trust us on this. Yes. Um, and I, I noticed these enemies are generated by generators. They're basically just a little notch in the maze. It's uh, got a colored, a solid colored block. Uh, excuse me, on either side of it. Uh, in the first screen, it's green, and I didn't really pay attention after that. Uh, let's get on to some trivia about this game. Not much is known about the company Diatech uh, that created this game. Uh, in fact, I don't think anything is known about this. I was actually scouring Google and everything came back to Uncle Pooh and not nothing else, yeah. really. When I, I first started playing this game, when, when you play any of these games in emulation, it, it, it behaves exactly like you actually had the physical machine and you turned it on. It would go through all the test procedures, the test patterns, whatever. And this one had a common test pattern that uh, you would see in a Namco or a Konami game from that particular era and i'm th- i was originally thinking this was a Namco or Konami game you were telling me that uh, you think that this game is a hack of another obscure game called Join'Em. and i was playing Join'Em actually this afternoon i think you just told me about Join'Em today yeah i just w-
1: i just i've never heard of Join'Em. i actually read about that somewhere
0: And that's an interesting game in itself. It plays like a a 2D version of the game Illusions on the ColecoVision in a way, but much more fun. And I was looking at it, and I think that this, I think this is correct. I think Uncle Pooh is a hack of Join'Em, and there's a few reasons I have for that. Mm -hmm. But that, well, uh, let me, some of the similarities. The title screens... Okay, after you put your coins in, or right before you start the first game, a- right, I'm sorry, right after you hit the start button, on Join them it says, Let's Join Em, and on Uncle Pooh, it says, Let's Uncle Pooh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? We should sign off our show every yes, day with yes, Let's Uncle Pooh. Oh, man. Oh, God, I haven't, genera- I haven't ordered our t-shirts yet. You think we should have that on the back? Let's Uncle Pooh. Oh, let's Uncle Pooh in the
0: Tinkle Pit. So, anyway, yes, let's Uncle (laughs) Pooh. I'm not going to ever get tired of saying that. (laughs) I'm not going to get tired of saying that. Okay, another thing I noticed is the default high score on both of these games is 43,200. When you first turn a game on, uh, especially back then, when you turn the machine off for the day, it it defaulted to whatever the high score was that was hard programmed into the game. In this case, it's 43,200 on both when the game starts up and you first play in the first round and it puts the enemies on the screen both games have the same sound effects and manner of placing the enemies on the screen and i looked into the ditch switch ditch sp- dip switch settings on both games and they both have there there's the uh, the starting lives and the free life selections both of them you can select 2 or 5 starting lives and both of them, you can select a free life every thirty thousand, or only the first thirty thousand game or points. And um, I thought that was really interesting. But that, but the information, I, I'm convinced that this is a hack of them. And, and it's it's probably one hundred percent true. But it just basically brings up a whole bunch of other questions, like what what about this? What about this game? Join'em? Where did it come from? I think the company was called Global Something. And now, no, not my last name, but global, like around the all over the world. And um, what about that game? What about where did that game come from? Was that a hack of something else? And I have the sneaking suspicion oh, that boy. might have been. I don't know. That's going to need some more research, which I'm probably never going to do.
1: <laughs> uh, so, unless we cover or join them in a future episode, which I kind of hope we do. We'll have to put that one aside because that's
0: an interesting game. Um, I think, but um. Uh, A couple of other things. Music in the challenging round, uh, and you were pointing this out to me, is the saber dance, or as you and your wife call it, the plate-spinning music. Yes. From Aram Kachurachian's Ballet Gagne, as in Gagne West, I guess.
1: I don't know. Yeah, that's that's where he got Uh, his name. Look it up. Oh, there you go. Uh, It was also used in Roadrunner. I'm sure we put it on there. I think uh, we mentioned saber dance. We didn't actually get that detailed about what saber dance is. Might not have. And um end-of-level
0: music was the Toreador aria from the opera Carmen by Bizet. Now, I have to say here, I wanted to say Bidet, given the title of today's game, but I didn't. <laughs> I resisted. <laughs> so, there you go. And um, that's all of the technical and how to play the game and stuff about that. As we're saying, this game is really kind of a mystery, because nobody knows really much. As I was saying, nobody knows about the company Diatech and... uh the fact that it basically looks like a hack of join them just brings more questions to the table than it does answers.
1: And um, I don't know. What do you think of the game, Sean? You know, I Uncle Pooh, I mean, it seems to me that it's kind of a running gag for us. So we keep talking about Uncle Pooh and I'm thinking, OK, a game like that with that kind of a name and where. You have to fart at your enemies. There's no way this is going to be a good game, but I was actually surprised. It really is a good game. It's a good challenge. It's fun. And something that I wanted to address is that the farting mechanism itself is a very interesting challenge because what other game out there is there in which you have to face away from your enemies to destroy the enemy? It makes logical sense, though, because you don't fart out of your front side. Well,
0: unless there's a serious problem. Unless there's a serious problem, it's physically correct. You, you got to give them credit for that. The game is not. I mean, you think with Uncle Uncle Poo and you know farting your weapon, you think you're getting into a gross sort of game, but it's not. I mean, this this game is actually uh, it's it's actually funny funny. It's actually charming in its own way, to be perfectly honest. And um, you no, know, the graphics the graphics are cutesy. You know, you can get I mean, so into the game that you kind of forget that you're farting. Yeah. Yeah, you can. And I have to say until I started using the, uh, the dash button or whatever, I actually hated this game because of that one thing, as I mentioned earlier, where it was like, you have to go, but then you realize you have the dash or you, you know, realize how it works. Then it just makes it a whole lot easier. then on top of it, when I was originally started playing this game, the first time I completed the first level with a higher score than the default high score. Because I did not realize the object of the game was just to get the diamonds, not to get everything to move to the next round. Once I realized it was just to get those three diamonds, then I was able to go four, five, six rounds. Yeah, apparently you can point press the hell out of this game. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You could probably have, let's see, if you can get 45,000 points, um, 90,000, and then you get the 10,000 for the bonus round. That's 100 you could get a it is it is theoretical to get 100,000 points in just the first 3 rounds in this game. So you could really I could see you probably putting up uh well not necessarily you specifically Sean, but uh, you as in the general you um getting putting up really high scores on this game after a while. Yeah, it's, you're right, um, you're not talking about me personally. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, once I realized about the diamonds and the the dash button, the game became A lot easier, and it became more fun. But then, after a while, I was playing it. And I've told the story before about how I got off of uh, World of Warcraft. I mean, I was playing it, grinding away, killing things, killing things, and it just hit me while I was killing this stuff. I'm not having any fun. And so I just stopped World of Warcraft, and I never picked it up since. It's been like four or five years now. I almost have that thing with this game. After a while, it just doesn't seem, after like about the fourth or fifth stage, and I wasn't, I was playing the game, I was playing it on all the default settings, and it didn't seem like it was getting any harder or new challenges or anything. It was just the same thing over and over and over. It got really, really repetitive to me. I don't hate this game by a long shot, because it's cutesy. It's got great, great music for, uh, for the hardware. It's got, I guess the sound effects are okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a funny concept, but... After a while, I think it just gets, as I said, it just gets repetitive after a while. Yeah, um, I don't think there is really any cheap deaths in this game, even given the fact that I think it's either the second or third round. It starts you like right next to an enemy, but, yeah. It's uh, it, right, but uh, but I don't think that is a cheap death because it's not putting it right in this you know narrow passage with you. You got a lot, a, a huge uh, area to maneuver around, and he doesn't start moving right away, and uh, you know you got you can get away from him. But there needs to be more challenge to it, I think. As a game as a game concept itself, it just it feels like a hack. Well, you know what? Let's put it that way. It feels like a hack after a yeah. while. I don't, it just doesn't, the difficulty doesn't ramp up
1: really as fast as I think it should. I mean, yeah, one just theory that teasing. I read was that, oh, this must have been some teenager who hacked another game. Why not? Well, yeah, why not? And, and, and I commend that teenager. Hey, they did a great job. Yeah. You know, I, if that's the case, I'm I'm not
0: I'm not going to put this game down at all because I mean it's fun. It's a, it's a cutesy game, as George Carlin said, as I alluded to earlier. If it didn't get put into the outtakes, you know, kids love farts. You know, yeah. and that's basically what this game is based on. Kids love farts. It's fu- It's funny. The concept's funny, but gameplay it needs a little more. It's not frustratingly difficult like it was when I first started playing it, but it's not
1: terribly hard either after a while yeah and it's something that you mentioned you're talking about how suddenly you realize that there's the dash button or the run button whatever you want to call it that Mm -hmm. is a very recurring theme if you find like the online discussions about uncle Pooh, people are like oh it's got so much easier when i discovered you can run when you have roller skates and Mm -hmm. i believe the the guys at 10 pence arcade said the same thing in their episode about it they like the game for good oh, reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, the difficulty just needs to ramp up better. I mean, it, it just
0: needs more in the way of difficulty. Now, the enemies do get faster. I'm not sure if the, the maze gets faster later on because I I had, like, two lives in reserve and I was a ways, ways through, and I'm like, I don't think there's any cheap deaths in this game. No. Uh, uh, again, once you figure, once you understand how to play the game, there are no cheap deaths because you could get trapped in a loop you know, not realizing A, you have to collect the diamonds and B, that you can run, uh, you'll get trapped in a frustrating loop. I think the first several times I played this, the first time I played this game, I didn't use utilize the uh, the dash button. And um, I actually did make it past the first maze and that squiggly place. But after the first maze, you know what? I think it does speed up a little bit now that I think about it, because I couldn't get back to that. That squiggly portion with that one diamond is in every round. And I could not get back to that diamond in in later levels so that's definitely in there uh so i guess it's definitely speeds up but i don't know again the dash button does make it a little easier i guess the energy thing makes it to where it's not doesn't make it as easy because you can run out of the energy but if you run out of energy unless you can get to a money bag you're pretty much screwed uh you I you know what that I think that would be a cheap death because if you you can you get 5 energy for each money bag you pick up but some of the money bags are hidden behind more blocks yeah and you have to make the decision whether it's good enough to go get them and if you don't have any energy and you're blocked off and you can't get to it you can just keep repeating the was there a
1: time limit on the maze I couldn't tell that there was one. I don't think. I really don't think there is, or else certainly I would have. I would have reached the first couple of times I played it before I knew about the dash button. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. We we talked about that game, Joinem,
0: and in the research I did about Joinem, Joinem is a joystick only game. There were no buttons on it. So, interesting. If this was a conversion from Joinem, then um, they had to add the buttons to the cabinet. So, uh, just I thought that was interesting. But it does look like a, as a, I'm not going to repeat myself again. I'm not going to repeat myself again. So, Sean. Yes? You are the host. Oh, really? Am I now? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was about
0: to steal your thunder again, as I usually do.
1: <laughs> well, you don't have to steal it from me. You can just buy it from me. I'll accept uh, money for that. Will you accept energy? Um, Yeah, because it did run out of uh, farts. So why not? Awesome. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I think I just had a revelation here. An (laughs) apoufany? Ooh, I see what you did there. There was a line in an episode of 30 Rock in which Which Tracy Morgan's character, Tracy Jordan, said, Someone put too many parts in this engine! It's about to explode! And there was a kind of a bubbly machine. I wonder if it was inspired by Uncle Pooh. Ooh. And of course, I'm never going to be able to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off again, because remember what Ferris Bueller said about Cameron's father in a diamond? That kind of has a little bit of an Uncle Pooh vibe to it right there. And the best thing about that, of course, is how he like how he overdoes the Great Lakes accent and says diamond. But I do have to share this. Oh, Normally, I like to address the record high scores, but there really aren't any, not even for MAME on uh, either of the four on either of the websites that we usually use arcade.com a U R C A D E and twin galaxies. But I don't know if you saw this in your research, um, classic arcade and the bounties and other challenges and puzzles. Other bounty offers thread. Well, not thread, but there's sub forum over there. They had uncle poo week starting at March 14th, 2010 and ending on March 20th, 2010 And uh, let's see. Weehawk, who is the forum guru over there, says, and I quote, I hereby declare Uncle Pooh week. That's right. Seven days of greed inspired Uncle Pooh combat. Here's how it works. Every day, starting today, March 14th, 2010, and ending Saturday, March 20th, 2010, I will award one Pooh point for the highest score submitted on Uncle Pooh up to that time. That is, whoever has submitted the highest score so far, blah, 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 gets the first Pooh point. Whoever has the highest score at the same time by the next night gets a second Pooh point. Goes on and on and on and on, and oh, apparently there was a oh yeah, there was a hundred dollar prize in this. Oh yeah, I I, I don't know if that's what they poo. usually do, but you know, uh, let's see. Although Basement Cat informs me at this point he already holds leans up again. Uh, blah 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 blah. It, that's uh, a lot for Pooh. Now get out there and get farting. <laughs> um, the highest score that I could find was uh, a user on Classic Arcade Gaming called Zurst who scored 476,670. doesn't seem like to me it would take that much effort to get that score. And it seems to me that the universal agreement, well, I don't know if it's so much of an agreement, but nobody, I don't think anybody has been able to make it past the 19th level. And they were talking about that on uh, 10 Pills, too. Yeah. Like, no one can make it past 19. So there is a little bit of a theory that there are only 19 levels. Hmm.
0: Time to put the cheats on them, don't you think? Go right ahead. You're the cheats
1: guy mm. in this podcast. Yes. I do that for research and then I go back and yeah. I just play the game. I don't know. I, I know I, I don't like doing cheats cuz well mainly because of my meme setup it's not really easy to do. I've done it, but it's not easy to do. But also I just I just want to play. I don't want to get too terribly invested and then realize, "Oh my god, we have to record now." Yeah, I like to
0: I you know I I I just like to see what's further on in the game, stuff that I might miss. And just because you put some of the cheats on doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to actually advance fast. I mean, you could have unlimited lives, but get to a place, or several places in a game, where you'll lose them like boom, 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 boom. And sometimes the cheats, when you activate them in MAME, with some exception, like unlimited lives, and I believe we had a a level select cheat for Arabian, uh, if if I recall correctly, most cheats are not built into games with a couple of exceptions. Most of these are just hacked. You know, that you're going into the into the rom and just changing some values in the uh, the RAM or the, or is it the ROM? it makes us read Probably
1: RAM. RAM or else RAM, RAM ROM is read only. is read
0: only. Right it means you can't write to it. So you know you're just changing some values. And sometimes changing some of those values in the cheats and MAME will corrupt the game that you're playing. I mean, not corrupt. You know, corrupt the game, but corrupt that session or it will cause glitches to happen that will make it to where you can't advance. So it's not always necessarily a positive thing. I mean, it could still keep you from you know, seeing what's further on in the game. But sometimes I'll hear something about something that happens later in the game, and I'll toss the cheats on to see what happens with Star Wars. There was that thing about 255 shields that you could possibly get. Well, we we deduced that that is just impossible, just the way that the the hardware is. But uh, through cheats on, and uh, even if you have a whole mess of shields, it still only maxes you out at 9. So, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have any success in the game. It just, it might make things a little easier, but in most cases, you still need some skill. Something I don't have. So, <laughs> so I think, I mean in this case, I think I might have a little bit more than
1: you. So, well, you well, know what? Uh, why don't we talk about this? Now, this is... <laughs> I was gonna say this is a loaded question, but then I wasn't, but then I am. This is a loaded question. But have you actually even seen an Uncle Pooh machine? Uh yeah, actually. Oh, do tell. Uh, I
0: played it. Yes, I played it at Arcade and Keys, uh of all places. Oh, for you know God's the sake the, that the, place. The, the arcade where the guy would make keys in the background. And um I remember seeing it there, but he kinda had it like back in the corner because he was kinda leery about the, the content, you know, being uh you know, you but why know, did he even farting have farting in the game? I don't know. I guess he just liked having it. But uh, he did let me in there and play it. Uh, he did charge me a whole dollar to play it, and uh, he did have it set to two lives, only one free life at thirty thousand in extreme hard difficulty. And um, yeah, uh, and it's uh, it was it was kind of a weird setup, and it, the whole thing, the way he had it, was just kind of creepy to me and I just wanted to get out of there I just felt dirty the whole time so I got out of there fast and i I'd never seen the machine since so
1: well how about yourself <laughs> oh man you know this fight, you should mention it yeah I was playing this game in mame and I was like I know I've seen this somewhere where have I seen it because I'd never loaded it up before i I had to downloaded I didn't have it on my hard drive anywhere. And then it hit me. This had to have been like 1984-ish. There, mm-hmm. Where I lived in Burbank, right at the end of our street, at the end of Kim Drive, across where uh, 45 went down, there was a convenience store. It was called Convenient. It was a chain. There were a couple of other ones in Kankakee. In fact, there was one in Lakeview in Chicago that only recently folded, actually. I didn't know it was still around. But it was like a 7-Eleven kind of store, but it was called Convenient. And they always had a rotating arcade game in there. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: um, my brother actually dated a girl who worked there only a couple of times. And I remember he came home one night and he said, you know, Convenient, they have a game where you fart. And of course, I wasn't about to believe my brother. I, I was not. Because I never believed him. I still don't believe him to this day, even though other things he told me were true. Like Venture has a super Zaxxon. It's like, come on, nobody has that. No, you're just making that up. What's a Zaxxon with a cape? And <laughs> sure enough, they did. Z on he his said, chest. He, he said Kroger has exciting new Pac-Man Plus. I was like, oh bull oh, crap, you just made that one up too. And sure enough, they did. But I was out with my dad. My dad had some errands to run, and I was with him, and he stopped at convenient to get cigarettes. This was back when he smoked. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck a smoke now and then to this day, but still, this was back when he was a habitual smoker. He stopped to get cigarettes and I went in with him. And there was the farting game. I didn't get the name of it, but it absolutely is, it absolutely had to have been Uncle Pooh because it had the same maze. It had that character who looks kind of like the travelocity gnome. Mm. It had the wave of water. And I begged my dad for a quarter just so I could play it. And he didn't, he really didn't care about the title or anything like that. He said, no, you have like 20 Atari games at home and you're not playing a damn video game here. And so that was it. I didn't get a chance to play it. And the next time I went, it was gone and it was replaced with a toot and cum, which I did get to play. Oh, wow. That totally sucks kind of blows too see what I did there so yeah I guess we both we both have actually encountered an uncle Pooh cabinet of some kind do you remember what the cabinet looked like it was a weird setup that he
0: had I mean it had the marquee I don't remember much about it but other than it was just it just looked like it was like like a monitor just sitting on a couple of crates really there was like some boards behind it and that huh. so I mean the control panel was fine I mean it worked but when was this know? by the way I would say Let me see, when did they close? I would say this was in possibly February 2nd of
1: 84. You remember the exact... Wow, Groundhog Day must have been memorable. Yeah. Well, that shoots my theory that it might have been the same machine that I saw, but it just had years of ravage or something. Hmm. So there might be two of these machines floating around. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't find... I, I don't remember much about the cabinet myself. It just looked like any other arcade cabinet to me. But... I did look for pictures of the cabinet, couldn't find anything. I did find one or two pictures of what was claimed to have been the motherboard, but that was it. I've seen that actually. That's an interesting picture. And if I can so. find it, I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, that's other news. We have to do a news flashback here. Well, then again, nobody news cares flashbacks. because this is for us. It's not the listeners. I fixed that bug I talked about when we add show notes, and we mm-hmm. don't cl- we we don't click the box that says publish. They still get published anyway. I fixed that bug today. It works now. woo So when we say link in the show notes from now on, we can actually add them as we speak. Well, there you are. That is Uncle Pooh. Is it now? Now that we Uncle pooh Now that we Uncle pooh uh let's, um, we, we go from Pooh to Pal. Pooh to Pal, shouldn't we? Pooh Pal. <laughs> An electronic way to send
0: Pooh over the internet. Pooh Pal. <laughs>
1: okay oh, i cracked me up ah yes oh did we say uh uncle Pooh or yay uncle Pooh? uh yay uncle P- we said let's uncle Pooh. okay that's sufficient that's sufficient so you know maybe we should start doing that for every game instead of doing yay whatever let's do Ooh, let's yeah let's try and that we, and uh, listeners let's. let's know what you think about that pie yes. podcast at fab4it.com yes so, um, and by the way we do welcome audio submissions too but anyway yes um, we let's welcome pack you. and pal let's pack and pal Ah, pack
0: and pal, let's yay ah uh, pack and pal, yay ah uh, Pac... yeah a uh- little bit of uh, trivia. Uh, I actually went to camp. Uh, let's yay ah, uh. let's oh, really you know, let's oh, well, uh, that is, is trivia. Uh, so yeah, so mm-hmm. let's but yay ah uh.
1: pack and pal. Ah yes, another game in the Pac-Man series. Let's- this is the third official pac-man game made by namco and it was released in japan on july 30th 1983 with an asterisk you know what that asterisk is jimmy g pac-man and chomp chomp in the u.s well we'll get to that later but the a- what is the, the r- asterisk the asterisk is that there is an easter egg that you can perform in service mode on pac and pal that actually shows a copyright date of 1982 oh really yeah Interesting. Yeah, it's a it, it's a series. I'll put a link to uh, the Easter egg reference in the show notes, and I'm not doing that as I speak, and even though I now have the ability to, so yay! <laughs> but um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, it, it, I couldn't. I was going to say I couldn't, aspartame, I couldn't ascertain <laughs> who at Namco designed and developed Pac and Pal. Um, I did see one source that says that it was Toru Iwatani who did the original Pac Man and its first sequel, Super Pac Man. Mm -hmm. The music is by Yuriko Kano. This is something I may have touched on when we talked about Ms. Pac-Man. And first off, I do want to have kind of a retroactive errata. I may have said during the Ms. Pac-Man episode that Ms. Pac-Man was totally unauthorized by Namco, and that's not 100% true. Allegedly, Namco did have at least a little bit of input into Ms. Pac-Man, Midway said to Namco, here's what we're thinking of doing because we really want to get a sequel out. Here's what the new Ms. Pac-Man character is going to look like. And I do believe the recently deceased president of Namco got back to them and said, lose the hair and I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. Ms. Pac-Man was supposed to have red hair. But the thing is, Namco was still reluctant because their logic was that. If you're going to have a sequel, you got to make the gameplay significantly different from the previous version, or else you're just rehashing the old thing. You're just putting out the old thing all over again.
0: Which isn't necessarily a bad
1: um, train of thought. Well, yeah, I totally agree with that. I I totally agree with that. And the first sequel that Namco actually came out with was Super Pac-Man, which deviated a little bit from the being chased around the maze while you eat dots. It deviated a little bit from that formula. and We'll talk about that more when we actually discuss Super Pac-Man in a later episode, or if we have a flux capacitor in an earlier episode. And the next official Pac-Man game that Namco put out was pac and pal pac and pal also deviates not only from the dot formula from the first Pac-Man game, but also from the changed formula that was in super pac-man if you play super pac-man and pac and pal you're gonna see a lot of similarities and you're gonna think you know what pac and pal looks kind of like a hack of super pac-man which is almost the truth pac and pal uses the same hardware as super pac-man right down to the control panel mm-hmm. a joystick with a button on either side it's an ambidextrous control panel it's by <laughs> with Pac-Man, obviously, your, your goal was to clear the dots in the maze and eat energizers to fend off the monsters. In Super Pac-Man, your goal was to unlock gates and eat the various so-called food items beyond those gates. And you also had to clear the energizers and to fend off the monsters, and you had super pills. pac and pow however... What you have to do is there are playing cards scattered throughout the maze. The maze looks more like a super Pac-Man maze than it does say a Pac-Man or Ms. Pac-Man maze. There's still kind of unlocking involved in a way, but instead of unlocking gates, there are playing cards spread out through the maze and your job is to basically walk over the playing cards and they turn over and the other side of the playing card has a picture. It may have a picture of a apple and what happens is once that picture is turned over and you see that picture, whatever that picture is, the object will appear in the maze somewhere. For example, if you turn over a card that shows you a apple, then a apple will appear in the maze and your job is to eat the apple. And you're still being pursued by Inky, Blinky, Peaky and Clyde. They still have the same level of dangers that they had in the previous Pac-Man games. There is one mm-hmm. difference, though. The name of the game is Pac and Pal. Well, what's this pal? Well, the pal is a green ghost that walks around the maze, and her name is Mir. It is spelled M I R U, but I'm pretty sure that it's pronounced Mir because Japanese words tend to have a silent U at the end. The Mirakuru. So, I'm, what I'm happens sorry, is- I've been watching Arrow lately. They talk about the Mirakuru. Well, oh, I'm so excited for you. Yes, I am too. But what happens is when you turn over a card and that item actually makes an appearance in the maze, Mir is going to run over to that item and grab it and bring it into the monster's pen in the middle of the screen. Mm-hmm. So people wonder, wait a minute, why is she considered your pal if she basically hinders your process, especially yeah, because why? you get a bonus for eating all of the objects that the cards reveal in the maze if you eat them all before Amir takes them into the pen. And there's a thought behind that. One thought is that, well, the general thought as to why she's considered a pal is that actually helps you clear the maze. And so, if you're, you can actually use that as a strategy for trying to, if you're trying to dodge the monsters, you can let Mir take some of the items that you couldn't get and just let her deal with them and bring them over into the monster's pen. It'll sacrifice some bonus points, but you'll still be able to clear the maze and move on to the next round. Mm-hmm. And instead of energizers, you don't have energizers really in Pack and Pal. Instead, you have two. I'm just going to call them power-ups. You have two power-ups in every round. And what will happen is if you turn over a card that has the letter S on it, Uh, then Mm -hmm. the power-up is going to appear somewhere. And there are different power-ups. And I'm going to talk about those power-ups in about, oh, now. One of the power-ups is the ever-present Galaxian flagship. We talked about this before, how it seems that every Namco game has the Galaxian flagship. At some point, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the power-up items. And how you activate the power-up items, well, first of all, when you eat a power-up, Pac-Man turns kind of a light blue, kind of a teal color. And while Pac-Man is that blue color, he has the ability to use the power-up, and you activate the power-up by using one of the buttons. When you use the power-up on the Galaxian power-up, what happens is Pac-Man emits what looks kind of like the tractor beam from the Galaxian sequel. And what happens is if there are any monsters in the pa- in Pac-Man's path when he does that, they turn kind of a pinkish purplish color and they spin around. In a later level, I believe it's rounds 2 and 3, the power-up is a rally X car, and what that power-up does, you hit the button and Pac-Man spits out puffs of smoke that turn the monsters blue and they and It turns them blue and they shake, basically. And let's see. And another power up is a trumpet. And basically what happens is when you've hit the fire button, Pac-Man plays the trumpet and the trumpet spits out some loud notes that freak out the monsters. And the monsters turn pink and they have kind of goofy grins on their faces when that happens. And there is a snowman power-up, which gives Pac-Man the ability to blow snow at the monsters, which then encases them in cubes. And there's also an interesting power-up. I've unfortunately never reached this level myself because I'm not quite that good yet. But one of the other power-ups is basically another Pac-Man. And if that is your power-up, then what happens is Pac-Man can shoot like little tiny Pac-Men at the monsters, which... Will make them turn cl- their classic uh, blue frowny faces, except they have kind of an eye injury, if you will. Like mm-hmm. one of the eyes is a plus sign, as if they got just got punched in the face, and there's like a little Pac-Man on top of them, looking like a, like uh, kind of an attack stance. And when the when the monsters are in those, let's just say stunned or paralyzed states. Pac-Man can move right through them. And when you stun or paralyze these monsters, you get 200 points for doing that to one 400 for two, 800 for three and 1600 for all four. And uh, there's a little interesting twist on the, on this uh, pattern here. And that's sometimes the monsters can come out of their stunnation, I guess. And if Pac-Man is still blue, when they come out of the stunation. <laughs> he can restun those monsters for an additional 1600 points. Of, well, not necessarily 1600, but it picks up where you left off. Like say you mm-hmm. only got one monster and then it comes back to its normal state and you restun that monster and then you get 400 points, etc. But basically it caps off at 1600 points. And this is kind of something that eventually showed up again in Pac-Mania. If you eat hmm. another power-up before the first power-up wears out, the point values continue where they left off, capping, of course, at 1,600. So, for example, if you stunned all four of the monsters on one power-up, then the next power-up, assuming that that power-up power is still valid, the next monster you stun is going to be 1,600 points and then 1,600, 1,600, 1,600. Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting um, little thingy there. Nice
0: thingy. Certainly make chartered accountancy a much more interesting job. Exactly.
1: And uh, what else do I have to say about that? Oh, there's a bonus round, and it follows the same pattern of bonus rounds that Super Pac-Man's bonus round follows. Like, uh, basically, the third round is a bonus round, and then every fourth round after that. So the third round, seventh round, eleventh round, etc. All those rounds are bonus rounds. In the bonus round, you really don't have any monsters on the screen it's just pac-man and some of the playing cards scattered around the maze what pac-man has to do is turn over the cards Mm -hmm. and the cards will reveal one of three things if the card reveals a dollar sign pac-man gets a hundred bonus points oh cool if the card shows mirror the number of points he accumulates during the bonus round is going to be doubled nice if the what's the but pretty big Oh, okay. Good to know. Shouldn't we talk about that in the other game? I cannot lie. Ah, Because your butt's too big, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if the card you turn over reveals Blinky, then the bonus round is over. However, however. How? If you manage to turn over all of the cards in the maze and Blinky is the last card that you turn over, it's considered a perfect round and you get a 10,000 point bonus. I have not yet gotten the 10,000-point bonus. I played a couple of rounds earlier today, and that once I made it till the second to the last card, and that
0: was Blinky. I'm assuming that the cards are randomized in the bonus they round every are. time. Yeah,
1: I played it multiple time. noticed as it, like, times. because I That seems kind of cheap to me, in a way. Well, I, I don't think so. It's a bonus I, round. I think it makes it less skill-based and more luck-based. And it, it's with, us, if it's a challenging
0: it's, round, it, I would I would like a challenging round to be more skill based and less luck based. Personally,
1: oh, that I, I didn't I didn't really mind, but uh, but the thing is, well. I did I did suspect that they weren't randomized because two or three games in a row, Blinky was in the exact same position. Mm-hmm. So I tried again and I paid close attention. Blinky was in a completely different place. Ah, so yeah. Oh, and um, every previous Pac-Man game had escape tunnels. Mm-hmm. Pac and Pal does not have escape tunnels. It's just an entire closed maze. The Oh, by the way, the maze doesn't change layouts. The maze doesn't even change colors. It's the same thing all the way through. But the maze doesn't have escape tunnels, but there is a small orange zone. And what happens is when Pac-Man goes through the orange zone, that's kind of an island right underneath the monster's pen, if he goes mm-hmm. through the orange zone, he turns invisible. Invisible, in, invisible. And uh, if a monster goes through it, the monster doesn't turn invisible, but the monster's eyes are visible though, so you can you can uh, see the monsters at least.
0: It basically acts like the tunnel in a
1: normal Pac-Man game in a way. It yeah, in a way because it slows the monsters down. Right. Oh, wait, this is for Andy pumping the monsters. Every time I say monsters, I think of that. So. Pumping the monsters. Yeah. So that's basically the uh, general gist of playing Pac and. Pal, And let's talk about point scoring, which we couldn't really do for Uncle Pooh because no one's really sure exactly how Uncle Pooh's scoring works yet. Yeah, I I looked into it. I couldn't really determine too much. So in a normal round, you get 10 points for the first card you turn over, and then every other card, there's an additional 10 points. So first card is 10 points, second card is 20, third card is 30, blah, 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 blah. If you lose a life, however... The point value resets to 10. So it starts over. And uh, the various items that the cards reveal, well, there's there are different items. There are ch- There's a pair of cherries, which is worth 50 points. Strawberry for 100 points. You get 150 points for an orange or a peach, I couldn't really tell. 200 points for an apple. 300 points for what looks like a melon or a grenade. Um, Although it looks like the thing that the Mac version of Pac-Man that Namco did that that version calls a cantaloupe. So I'm just going to say cantaloupe 400 points for a lemon 500 points for a pineapple and the key there is a key that will appear from time to time and that could be worth anywhere from 700 to 5000. I believe that is Ooh. randomly determined. It's either randomly determined or it depends on how far along you are in the maze. I, I, Which in unfortunately- the original
0: Pac-Man games, that was not a
1: ran- That was a set value, correct? It was. Yes. Okay. If you eat a power up, you get 1000 points. I wasn't able to really figure out the bonus point like if you cleared the entire maze without mirror bringing an object all the way into the monster's pen you get a bonus. Like the first round, I think you get, you get a thousand. And then the second round, you get 1500 and I think it increases by 500 every round. I don't know if it caps off cause I'm not good enough to find out. <laughs> I talked about how um there's a lot of a super Pac-Man vibe with pack and pal. And mm-hmm. one thing that carries over, there are two things in particular that really stuck out to me that carry out that carry over from super Pac-Man As with Super Pac-Man, Pac-Man can enter the monster's pen without having a power-up or anything. Mm -hmm. In fact, sometimes Pac-Man might want to do that just to stop Mirror from depositing an object in there, and also from Super Pac-Man. Now, the thing is, like, if you ever play, you you may have noticed by playing, say, Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Junior Pac-Man, and exciting new Pac-Man Plus, of course, too, that you might have like all four monsters tailing you and you think you're about to come to a dead end and die. But then all of a sudden they change directions Mm -hmm. and then they split up and go into different corners of the screen. Well, that doesn't happen in Pac and pal. It also doesn't happen in super Pac-Man, but in both super Pac-Man and Pac and pal, what happens is once in a while, I don't, I don't know why, but once in a while, the monsters will just kind of freeze in place and just kind of shake back and forth for a second or two. And that can kind of buy you some time to get the hell away from them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what I had to say about uh, all of that. Uh, what do what do you have to say about? Uh, do you have any anything to add about Pack and Pal before I go into more details here? Go into more
0: details. Um, I am extremely un—I'm actually more familiar with Uncle Pooh than I am with this game. Uh, but that's probably not surprising because this game did not really get that wide of a release. So. I never heard about it until I still first started emulating games, to be perfectly honest with you. Hmm, what about to be dishonest with me? Well, then I've been playing it all my life, and I hold the world record on several uh, different
1: worlds. Oh, really? Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know. Uh, by the way, how would you rate Uncle Pooh? Oh, well, we didn't rate Uncle Pooh, did we? No! Well,
0: um, I would rate Uncle Pooh... Uh, <sighs> I hated it at first. When I first started playing it, I probably would have rated it a 1. After I figured out how to play it, I probably would have rated it a 4. But then after I played it for a while without cheats, and it just got repetitive, I I can't rate it more than a 3. It's not a bad game, really? but it just gets repetitive.
1: I'm going to go so far as to rate it a 4. It might be partly because I'm, I'm so mature that a game with the name Uncle Pooh and the concept of farting makes me giggle. And, and the thing is, normally I don't like fart humor. I think it's probably the le- lowest kind of humor at all because it's just so—it's not intellectual. It's just too easy, you know. It's like, yeah, you're doing falling back on the fart jokes, yeah. But the thing is, they this Uncle Pooh makes fart jokes funny. It does. I w- was reading an article not too long ago, and
0: I kid you not or in this case, I shit you not, <laughs> that the v- oldest recorded joke in history, recorded, written down, whatever, is actually a fart joke.
1: Yeah, so it's been done. It's been done. <laughs> it's been done over and over. Like,
0: There's this, nothing new under the sun. In all seriousness,
1: like, it's got a unique challenge. It's definitely a challenging game, but not an unfairly challenging game. And one thing that's keeping me from rating it a five is that I always, always, always get trapped in a dead end in... I think it's the fourth round where you have that really really tight passage where you have to zigzag a lot. Mm-hmm. I always get trapped in there. I can it's I know it's my fault, but you know. But I yeah,
0: you got to be you got to be, uh, be conservative with the with uh, the you got to be conservative with the with the farts to get that one. Yeah. Because the uh, the the running takes will really eat your energy up real fast.
1: Actually, I found that the running didn't really affect me all that much i was like you know really? i can I can deal with this i don't know i guess maybe because i i only run when absolutely absolutely necessary like if i see that a diamond is just about to get underwater that i'll hurry up and do that and then just scoot the hell out of there but you got to do what you got to do what so. were we talking about then with pack and pal where we leave off
0: i don't remember i was think i was saying i didn't have much experience with pack and Pale. And I guess you never actually saw a Pac and Pal. I've never seen a Pac and Pal or a Pac-Man
1: and Chomp Chomp. Which is the other title of there's another version of Pac and Pal called Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp, as Jimmy G just told us. It's the same game. The only difference is instead of mirror, you have Chomp Chomp, who is Pac-Man's dog from the Saturday morning cartoon. And the thing is, that is a very plausible substitution there. Because if you watch the Pac-Man cartoon, Chomp Chomp was kind of a—he uh, it, it wasn't the brightest thing in the world. You could totally no. believe that he would kind of grab something and just take it away somewhere. Especially if you've ever had a dog, you know dogs. What was do the that. cat's name in the cartoon? Sourpuss. Sourpuss. That's right. Okay. So yeah, and there's—that's not the only difference between Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp and pac and Pal, by the way. Oh, I knew you were going to say that, so I have a response ready for that. In the attract mode in Pac and Pal, on the title screen, there's a big graphic with Pac-Man and Mirror, but on Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp, instead of, say, a graphic of Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp, there's just a big empty space. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And thing is, like nobody really knows much about Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp, but uh, I have kind of a long story and a theory that I need to get into at some point. Probably. Like oh right God, now. here we go. <laughs> no i mean no do tell oh okay i I, sh- I certainly will tell and this is the god's honest truth i swear in my wife's life my dog's life my treasured rickenbacker 12 string everyone's s-
0: life except your own
1: and my own life and Whoa. my own life i have seen a pac-man and chomp chomp game i have seen an actual cabinet in an actual arcade this was probably 1984. I mentioned before in this podcast, but for those of you who've, who, are, who haven't heard every single episode and haven't heard this little explanation here, here's, here's how arcade life was for me. For the most part, about 99 and 44 hundredths percent of my arcade playing was at Bally's Aladdin's Castle at the Lincoln Mall in Matson, Illinois. The reason for that is where we lived at the time, Bourbon, Illinois, back in the 80s, did not have a mall. The nearest place to go shopping was kind of a mediocre uh, Meadowview shopping center, which hardly had anything. It was mainly clothes for women. That was pretty much all they had there and a, and a uh, Woolworths. So once a month, we would all go up, my family, my my mom, my dad, my brother, and I, until my brother was in the army, of course, then it was just my mom and dad and I, we would go to Lincoln Mall. It was about a half hour drive, and that was always a huge deal for me. Those of you who follow us on Facebook, you probably saw me type up a big, long explanation there, but long story short, if possible, the big thing for me at Lincoln mall was Bally's Aladdin's castle, which I've talked about before. Jimmy G has talked about before that place was, well, since we're talking about uncle Pooh, I'll use this expression. That place was the. Oh, hell yeah. It was huge. It was a huge freaking arcade. It, I remember I remember when it was still Le Mans Speedway and it was just like one you walk in and it was just a row of games to the left and a row of pinball machines to the right. But it kept expanding and that place got honking huge. They always had the newest games. As I've said before, I think that place was actually was
0: actually bigger than Galloping Ghost. Not necessarily in number of machines but in square footage
1: could have been theoretically could have been that's where i saw the new pac-man game well i've seen them sending them other places but the that was the wa- first and only place i saw Journey. Hmm. what would happen though is my dad would let me have a dollar and that would give oh, me four here tokens. here we go again oh i mean continue yes i i certainly will so four tokens that was it one dollar over done and of course because I was only eight, nine years old. My dollar didn't last very long. I sucked at games, but I love playing them. And I always loved the Pac-Man games. So I would always gravitate toward a Pac-Man game. One day when we were there, when after I had already used up my allowance and I, that could, there weren't any tokens on the floor that I could swipe My brother wasn't there, so he didn't have any leftovers to give me. But after I used up my allowance, I discovered the Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp machine. My dad would not give me any more money. I pleaded with him. Dad, just one quarter, please. He said, no, you can play that next time we're here what we would normally do is usually Aladdin's castle was the last stop. And then you know my dad would, ju- my dad and I would just sit in the little seating area. It was a really nice seating area just outside of Aladdin's castle and just wait for my mom. And sometimes what I would do is I, I just hang out in Aladdin's castle near the front and just watch other people play. So I watched other people play Pac-Man and chomp chomp, and I got a feel for what the game was supposed to be. And, I remember the music very well. I never forgot the music. I never forgot the sound effects. And I was like, this is really cool because it's based on the cartoon because I watched that cartoon religiously. So at least I was like, okay, I know I can, I know I have something to look forward to next time. So the next month we went, it was gone. It was gone. Wow. And nobody I talked to, none of my friends, no, my brother, nobody, Believe me that there was a game called Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp. They thought I was making it up, but i sw- it was freaking there at Aladdin's Castle. But the next time we went, it was gone, and they had replaced it with Pac-Land, which actually was okay with me because I loved Pac-Land. That was my favorite Pac-Man game for a long time. But man, i I'm still pissed about that, though, that I... In retrospect, I wish that I would have like tracked down a worker or managers and just said, Look, my dad won't give me any. I'm a big Pac Man fan. Could you just give me a credit? Uh, just one. That's all I'm asking. I, just to see if somebody would have done that. Anyway, what were you about to say?
0: I was just about to repeat my mantra I've never seen either game.
1: And I'll tell you what, I, I did some searching online to see if there were any cabinets of Pac Man and Chomp Chomp. The only thing I could find was a custom cabinet somebody built for California Extreme. But not the, it wasn't the original. It was just basically huh. a his, his own artist's concept of what it might have looked like. He actually has a real Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp board. Uh-huh. But that's just about it. And what really kills me is they had Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp that one time, and it was gone. But I swear, they had Professor Suckman there forever. Every time I went. I remember Professor Pac-Man...
0: Being at the Louis Joliet Mall, Aladdin's Castle for quite a long time
1: uh, myself. I don't know. Maybe they couldn't get rid of it. Maybe they didn't, maybe uh, Midway wouldn't take it back. Take it, please, please. But no, I do you're stuck have a theory. It. I do have a theory of what may have happened. Hmm. Now, who would have distributed Pac Man and Chomp Chomp? Bally Midway. Bally Midway. Where was Bally Midway located? Oh, uh, hold
0: on, hold on. I got this. I got this. Uh, Chicago.
1: Yeah, Chicago, or if not, the city of Chicago. Well, I think they did have a location in Chicago, but they definitely had one in Franklin Park, which is just outside of the city. Uh-huh. But the fact is, it's from the Chicago area. My mm-hmm. theory is that because uh, the... Well, Al- F-
0: one, one other thing. Who owned Aladdin's Castle?
1: Valley. Bingo. Yeah. Conspiracy. But my theory is that they brought some chemtrails... At, ah, damn it. Ah. Really, I I'm not going to let you talk next time I host because now you're making me think of conspiracies. <laughs> but um my theory, the radicue is, is upon you. All right, my theory is that knowing that Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall was quite popular and quite huge, my theory is that, and I've un, I've unfortunately not been able to track down anybody who could confirm this. I asked King Henry VIII if he could point me at anybody. He's like, yeah, I, I really don't know anybody who would have been there, but. My theory is that Midway might have basically taken a Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp from Namco or a pac n Pal converted it to Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp from Namco and loaded it up in a truck and head down I-94 and put it in Aladdin's castle as a test. And it might have failed the test miserably. That could be. I saw people playing it when I was there. But the thing is, pac n Pal itself was not a success. Super Pac-Man wasn't a success, and pac and pal where it was actually released, wasn't a success either. So maybe it just, they used Aladdin's Castle as a test location, and it bombed. That's my theory. Okay, as far as Super Pac-Man not being a success,
0: I pretty much, I'm I should going to save a lot of this for when we eventually talk about it, but uh, suffice it to say that I saw it everywhere, and the Pizza Hut in front of the Louis Joliet Mall in Joliet, Illinois is uh, where I played Super Pac-Man the most and I swear that machine there was for two years was for the, there for two
1: years. It probably so. was. I mean, there are a lot of Super Pac-Man fans came coming out of the woodwork over the years. I love People Super Pac-Man. Well, yeah, I always too. loved Super Pac-Man. And it wasn't a success though. But well, we'll get it we'll get to that later. So, um do you have do you have anything to add right now or should I just go straight into um, scores? Go straight into scores. I don't have anything to add okay. really. Okay. So, arcade.com eurcad e.com has a world record on pac and pal actually. If you go to Orcade.com, apparently Fun Spot has a pac and pal Not a Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp, but a pac and pal Vadim Nunianz, I'm guessing that's how his name is pronounced, scored 159,910 on June 2nd, 2013 during 15th Annual Classics Championships at Fun Spot. And Twin Galaxies does not have a track for pac and pal or Pac-Man and Chomp Chomp in the regular arcade section. They only have a Pac-and-Pal track for Wolf Mame. And for that, Jason Vassiloff, verified July 10th, 2016, scored a million two hundred thousand six fifty. Wow. Or excuse me. A million two hundred and six thousand fifty. So yeah. And we should also talk about home conversions. By the way, in case you couldn't tell, there are no home conversions for Uncle Pooh. Although I might talk to Bob DiCrescenzo and see if he can make one for seventy eight hundred. <laughs> oh, that al- would be
0: fun. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. And the seventy oh, eight hundred could pull that off beautifully. If he could
1: do Bentley Bears Crystal Quest, he could easily do this. <laughs> but, but there are—he's got other things really, on his plate that he can't talk about. There really oh, aren't any home that. conversions per se of Pack and Pal. However, I remember. One time, our friend Matt Burke, whom we've mentioned on the show, he's probably Underground Retrocade's number one fan. He once posted on Facebook a bunch of scores, and he listed Packin' Pal. I was like, dude, where did you play Packin' Pal? He said, oh, I have it on my Wii. So that's what that was. So there, you, if you want to play Packin' Pal on a game console, then you have to get Namco Museum Remix or Namco mm-hmm. Museum Megamix for the Wii. And that's it. It's as Megamix far as Tuesday. It's basically the actual arcade game just emulated. So yeah, that's that. There we are. So, uh, do you have anything else to say about Pack and Pal?
0: Not particularly. I'm not a fan of the game. I mean, it's it's cute. It's got the ghosts and and that. I, I I'm just not a fan of the formula. Uh, the pal kind of gets in the way, and I don't like him. Her. Uh, this Is a beta version of Super Pac Man. I love
1: Super Pac Man. Don't How is it a beta version if it post-decesses
0: this came after. Wait, this comes after Super come, Pac
1: Man? Yeah, Super Pac Man was released in October of 1982. Pac and Pal was released July 30th, 1983.
0: Which what brings I me, think me to Super this. Super Pac Man was 84.
1: No, that was 82. Wow, as you will hear in the Super Pac Man up, assuming that you listen to the Atari 7800 Homer podcast, you'll hear about that in that in episode eight which comes out the uh, weekend of Midwest Gaming Classic. Oh, well, there you are. But this goes back... Let me take you back to this, though. I, I talked about before how if you perform a certain Easter egg during uh, in-service mode in pac and pal it shows a copyright date of 1982. That tells me that all they did was they actually modified Super Pac-Man and just didn't bother changing the date. Hmm. That's my theory there. Could be. How would you rate pac and pal <sighs> I don't care for it. Uh, the Your, your, your
0: pale running around kind of screws you up and well I did think it was kind of neat how you had uh, different power-ups that you could get uh, especially the Rayleigh X thing uh, where you shot yeah. the uh, you know the blue the smoke screen I thought that was kind of a nice touch I would have liked to have seen more of that based on classic Namco games but I mean there, there, there just really wasn't that much um, I don't know I found this game pretty old Pat. And this is, I think, the second worst Pac-Man game. Really? Uh, There's only one worse so far. So far (laughs) from what we've reviewed. And we all know where that is. And and honestly, (laughs) I don't really think you should consider that a Pac-Man game. So this is the worst of the Pac-Man games on technicality. So I can't rate it more than a 2. I I just don't like this one. It just doesn't grab me.
1: Yeah, I think what happened is Namco took their sequel thoughts and moved a little bit too far with it. Now the thing is I'm going to rate it a 3. I'm going to rate it a 3 uh, but absolutely th- like it's a very easy 3 cuz I mean really it's what happened was I think while it's a unique concept in Pac-Man gaming pac and Pal to an extent kind of reverts to one of the problems of the original Pac-Man and that it's too repetitive. Like the mm-hmm. maze doesn't change, the color of the maze doesn't change, the object of the game is the same. The only thing that changes is basically just that things speed up and you get less time to you get what less doors. Power time.
0: The doors opening is kind of randomized too, though later on,
1: isn't it? Yeah, it's not like, always the same. Yeah, it's kind of like in Super Pac Man, right? And what what was unique when I first saw when I actually saw Pac Man and Chomp Chomp in the arcade. The first thing I thought of was that those little cards that you turn over, I thought they were supposed to refer to the Pac-Man cork boards that were kind of prevalent in all the Pac-Man marketing. I thought it was kind of a cheeky reference to those things. Pac-Man cork boards? I guess guess they're like little little small bulletin boards or something you'd stick stuff on. I thought that's what those were referring to. I thought, oh, that was a sly little thing. You're putting the marketing in there. Fascinating. (laughs) But... I don't think so. I think they're supposed to be playing cards, because they lo- the patterns on the cards look like playing cards, like the backs of playing cards. Well, I mean, there we are. Um, we rated it Pack and Pal, so final thoughts, Jerry? No, sir. Didn't like it. Yeah, I don't blame you. So um, what is our theme today? Or should I? You want to, you want to, you want uh, to talk well, about the theme? You know what? Why don't you do the theme? Okay. This is your show. You do the theme. Damn it. Well, the theme for episode 51 of the Pie Factory podcast, Pack and Pal and Uncle Pooh, is games that used to be owned by Brad until his wife got fired from Cracker Barrel. And because of the loss of income after her loss of an 11 year job, he had to sacrifice two of his rarest arcade games in his collection to make ends meet. Hashtag justice for Nanette. Yay. Hey. And weren't we going to have a that's secondary true, theme to this too? Sure, why not? Games in which your weapon is essentially bodily functions. Uncle Pooh farts. Pac-Man shoots stuff out of his mouth. So I I guess that's episode 51. If you're going to be in town, check us out at the Midwest Gaming Classic. Yes. Uh, we'll be hard to miss. We'll, we'll have a table that has a big Pie Factory podcast sign. <laughs> we'll be hard to miss, but you will want to. Exactly. Isn't that the way it always is? <laughs>
0: So I guess we should probably talk about what games we're going to be talking about next
1: time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Do tell.
0: Uh, Smash TV and RoboCop. RoboCop. Ooh, looks like yes. I need to get some rums. You need to get some rums because I only have actual
1: machines. We, yes. You know, uh, <clears throat>
0: yeah. <clears throat> so, and I guess with that, with that,
1: um, what do we do? Um, I don't know what we do. Um, I do what I do. Congratulation! I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that. In Uncle Pooh, when you finish, if you have a perfect bonus round, it tells you congratulation. Oh, you know what? I missed that. It's I only did good not enough that. for a singular congratulation. So, which makes me
0: now, now that you mentioned that, wonder if there is a bonus round in uh, join them.
1: I don't think there is actually. Hmm. I don't know. So I guess to our Patreon sponsors, that would be Rory Coleman, Michael D'Angelo, Kyle Etter, Nate Lockhart, Greg Polander. Jonas Rulo, Keith Sheehan, underground retrocade and Richard Valdez. I offer you a hearty and sincere congratulation. Yay. And there we are. And everybody listening, all three of you. Thank you. And there was much rejoicing. Once again, from the breezy, windy, cool, um, Chicago, this is, um, watermelon Shandy drinking Sean. And from
0: that, Place down southwest of Sean. This is
1: Jimmy G. And from Chicago. Oh wait, I already said that. Sorry. And remember, let's Uncle Poo. Ciao. This episode of the Pie Factory Podcast was edited and produced by Hyde Saint Pierre opening and closing theme is the happy l composed by sean courtney love theme
0: from addenda and Arata was composed by jim goble follow the pie factory podcast online via facebook on twitter at pie factory pfp or on pie support the show at patreon.com slash pie factory podcast
1: mary give me the swag you know what really what's really weird about It's a Wonderful Life? Hmm. You know how uh Clarence is showing him how life would have been without him, without without mm-hmm. George? And Clarence didn't mind showing George Harry's grave because Harry died, because George wasn't there to save him. He was he didn't mind telling him that all those poor uh Navy men died because Harry was not there to save their lives because George wasn't there to save his. He wasn't afraid to show George that his Uncle Billy ended up in the, in the insane asylum. But what would he not show George? Hmm. He just did not want to show George what happened to Mary. Because she became a librarian. But what were we talking about? Uh, oh, was yeah, she a schwag. sexy librarian? Oh. Swag. Yeah, swag, Mr. Parr. And who's your uncle? Hmm. That should be our tag. Who's wife. your uncle? And Pooh's your uncle. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the uh, other, the, the opposite? You know how people say, and Bob's your uncle. I think the opposite, I don't know how I came about this, but somehow I came about the opposite of, and Bob's your uncle should be, and Voldemort's your car. Basically, if something goes wrong. And Voldemort's your car. Yeah. And because, uh, you know, people say, and Bob's your uncle, they mean, and there it is. Now it's working or something like that. So, and Voldemort's your car. That's the opposite. Cue the crickets again. Come on. Finish loading, you butthole.
0: Finish loading, you butthole. Time your butthole down, sport. Time your butthole down.
1: Wait a minute. Oh, you probably don't want to use that phrasing, given Rolf Harris's um, transgressions. We're going to correct that.
0: uh, Not for this episode, but next Uh. episode. But we'll, 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 you know. We'll we'll will what we'll, uh, will let you we'll, 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 uh, 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 out. You're, you're frustrating me. <laughs> and now uh, another episode of Burpa along with Sean.
1: Let's see. Ah, there we go. There we go. Uh, ooh. Ooh, hmm. there we go. Watermelon shandy tonight. Ooh.
0: Are you the real slim shandy? Uh, <laughs> you knew I was gonna go there. And
1: you did nothing about it. I I know, but okay. The super tramp thing was going a little bit. It was a little bit of a stretch, I have to say. Nah, you took the long way home. I no, I didn't. Well, I did, but I didn't post about that. I took the long way to work. Uh, Doesn't well, even fit still. the meter. As we used to play this all the time as kids, I still have a hard time with the boulders. <clears throat> ah, excuse me. No, oh, you it sounds like you have a hard time with uh, with the watermelon shandy. Yeah, really, really. But, hey, better it comes out that end than another. Oh, that's that's a topic for later on in the show. Excuse me,
0: excuse me from the bottom of my heart. If it came out the other end, it would have been a good night, everybody. <laughs> so the third round,
1: seventh round, eleventh round, etc. Uh Excuse me. Whoa. Shandy. Speaking of rounds, you've had one too many. Not enough, man. I need another one to stifle
0: it, but.